Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Morning Round Trip podcast here on July 24th. My name is Drew Frank, and I'm joined by Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And once again, we've got another very, very tightly packed day. After the news was announced that they're trying to set up a last-minute extended playoff structure in less than 24 hours trying to scramble to make a deal, they made it happen. And we've got a 16-team playoff structure, and I'm not sure how much I love it, but here's the details. So it's going to be eight teams for in each league, which will take the top two from each division, so that's six. And then the seven and eight seeds are going to be, of the teams left, the, the best two records, regardless of what division. So potentially in the National League, we might see the top four teams from the Central all make it. That's, that's a possibility. It's on the table. So there's a few different weird scenarios that can come from this. But the biggest thing is that it's going to be a best of three in the first round. There's no buys. There's no advancements. There's no, no real reward for the division winners yep. now it's worth noting that the best of three will all be played at the higher seats park so if you win your division you'll play three games all in your own backyards but still you can get bounced pretty easily and especially in your own home park with no fans i mean what advantage does it really serve other than deciding who gets to hit first I don't like the three games in the first round. I really don't. There's no incentive to win your division. If you have a bad couple of days, then you know you lose two straight, then you're bounced, regardless of what you did in the regular season. I think it's very unfair for the highest-seeded teams, and I guess we're going to see how it plays out. Well, and I think especially because if you look in past years, past structures, one of the reasons that the wild card versus division winners is so important is because... A wildcard team, you can win 95, 97 games, however many it ends up being, and only get one playoff game. And now you can win a division and only get two, depending on how things go. So I don't know if we see it, but if we're going to have eight opening round matchups and eight best of threes with how fluky baseball is and how any team can win any given game, I, I'm thinking we're bound to see at least one major upset in, in eight best of threes. The other note of why they expanded was because they'll move from what would have been 43 maximum games if every series went the distance to now 65 maximum games. So it's a lot. <laughs> big jump. That offers a lot more money for the TV deals and the exposure and the ad revenue for the league. It also offers the players more postseason money and bonuses. So that's the incentive from the business sides, but competitive structure we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see but with yesterday being opening day we have some games to talk about two pretty interesting games two pretty different games i would say first one happened out east and we only got to see five and a third as it was called in the sixth inning due to rain and thunder and lightning and a whole bunch of scary weather but it was the Yankees taking down the Nationals by a score of 4 to 1 Liam what were your takeaways from this game 
For those of you counting at home, I am 1-0. Drew is 0-1 on the predictions. Garrett Cole looked tremendous in this game. Now, on the other side, Max Scherzer was a little bit shaky to start things out, but he really reined things in. The biggest takeaway I have is, is how tremendous the Yankees looked physically. These guys have all trimmed down. These guys all look to be in fantastic shape. I mean, John Carlos Stanton, we mentioned in an earlier podcast, he could be the linchpin for this entire Yankees offense. If he's hot, then he might be the spark plug that ignites this Bronx Bombers lineup. And we saw him hit a massive home run, nearly 460 feet in this one. Yeah, that was, a, that was a great shot. Adam Eaton responded, and that game got off to a really hot start with two big blasts in the first inning, and then it kind of slowed down, and we didn't see much. We didn't see another hit out of the Washington side until the game was eventually called. Now, they only got through five innings at the plate, so of course, not a complete game by baseball terms, but nonetheless, a complete game for Garrett Cole and his first appearance as a Yankee, but the big storyline from this game was that Juan Soto was not playing, and this came relatively last minute. We found out only, I believe, three or four hours before first pitch, and they played on, and this was a decision the league made because the whole team had been tested, and only Juan Soto came back positive, so they deemed it was worth playing, but I'm worried now to see because we know Juan Soto practiced with the team Yesterday, the day before that, the day before that, and they say you have two to three days where you could potentially infect other people. I'm hoping this does not happen, obviously, because this could seriously derail the MLB if all of a sudden the tests come back tomorrow and there's two or three, maybe even four or five more positive tests. On the ESPN broadcast, they interviewed Nationals manager Dave Martinez, and he said that we all knew that these things might happen, but we've got to stay positive now. Um, this is really a case where that team is going to be nervous for as long as it takes for the next results to, to come back. And if those results are negative, then that's, that's great. That's exactly what we want to see. But it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe one, two, or even a, a, a bigger number of these Nationals players come back with positive tests. Did they end up spreading it to the Yankees at any point? We don't know. This is all speculation at this point. All we can do is hope that Juan Soto was doing his best to socially distance in the days leading up to this and hope that it doesn't greatly affect the season moving forward. Yeah, I think you really hope that we get those negative tests and this is a wake-up call, right? I mean, yeah, these teams have sure. been taking these procedures, but now you really see before this game, before we had a regular season game, there's a lot on the line here when it comes to maintaining health and safety. So a bit of a scare, but we got... Half of a game, most of a game. The two pitchers both looked pretty good. Garrett Cole was very strong, very dominant. His slider looked as sharp as ever. Yep. Scherzer, I thought, looked good. And the it's kind of tough because he was locating. But the balls that were put in play against him were all hit really hard. Of yeah, course, the sure. stand one you mentioned was a blast. But even just the singles and doubles were all laced. Yeah, definitely no dribblers. Uh, not a lot of cheap contact uh, in this Yankees lineup. Now, Scherzer did end up achieving a really interesting stat here. He becomes the first pitcher since 1893 to have three 10-plus strikeout starts on opening day. That's kind of nutty. I mean, you know... We, that surprises me. Yeah, for sure. The, the six hits, the four earned runs, and four walks, but he managed 11 strikeouts. When he was missing bats, he was missing them. But when he wasn't, he definitely wasn't. I didn't see any weak contact really from this Yankees lineup. When they were hitting the ball, they were putting it in play at 90, 100 miles an hour. I mean, 
it's it's rel- it's good news, I think, on both fronts. Scherzer looked good when he was placing the ball well, and he did that more consistently than not. And the Yankees lineup looked to be firing on all cylinders when they got pitches that they could do something with. Yeah, I'm I'm worried if I'm a Nationals fan for the rest of this series because if they hit Scherzer like that, you've got a couple other strong aces, but this lineup's hot, then <laughs> you're in trouble. Yes, sir. And in the other matchup, another last-minute scratch, but it was the opening day starter, Clayton Kershaw, who went down with a back injury placed on the injured list. Dustin May took his spot, and the Dodgers actually had known about this, and Dustin May was told yesterday to be ready just in case. So they had this in the back of their minds. It wasn't reported, so it surprised us. But Dustin May came out. He ended up making a pretty good start. Yep, for sure. I thought that Dustin May's stuff looked great. Uh, his fastball movement uh, was off the charts. He was hitting triple digits regularly. He was striking guys out. Guys really uh, looked off balance at times with Big Red on the mound. I thought he was really impressive. 22-year-old kid making his first opening day start. Uh, he's a rookie this season still. Uh, I thought he looked really, really impressive, albeit against a Giants team that's weaker than they would have been before COVID struck them. And no Brandon Belt, Buster Posey is an opt-out. You know, they're just not as strong as they, they would have been, and what they would have been isn't really strong to begin with. Yeah, I still I still think he's very strong against any lineup because Definitely. 99, Definitely. he hit 100 multiple times with break because that's, that's almost like a Zach Britton 100. Yeah, no, those those pitchers are moving, man. When he's throwing that ball, it's moving right, it's moving up, it's maybe even breaking down away from you, and that's nuts. You're getting a ball at 98, 99. You don't see the seams on that thing. That's a white blur that moves away from you as you try to make contact with it. And we saw a little more of that later on as Bruce Dark Gratterall came in, and he was also getting it up there with the sinker. So the Dodgers... They just seem to have pitchers and pitchers and pitchers, and it just never ends. But the takeaway there, May looked good. Cueto looked good. I thought he was very strong. But, of course, you can only hope to contain these Dodgers for a few innings because there's no stopping this powerhouse of a lineup. The final score ends up being 8-1. The game was closer than that, and it actually stayed 1-1 for the longest time. A couple (laughs) questionable plays on the Giants' part. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just a few things you can't have happen. There was a rundown which Ballinger played well, and that's on him more than the Giants misplaying it. There was an out up the middle where uh, Mauricio Dubon was unable to get to short in time, but it wasn't his fault. Just uncoordinated up the middle. There was a pop-up way up in the infield. Catcher comes in, shortstop comes in, and the pitcher has to reach out and grab it because of miscommunication. It's never what you want. Yeah, I my takeaway from this game is, okay, we've got eight playoff spots in the National League. And beyond the top few, I look at this NL West and I see potentially an opening for a surprise Giants team to get hot. And they're not the favorite, but in a 60-game stretch, in an even year, (laughs) you never know. (laughs) They have to clean up these mistakes, though. Definitely. They looked nervous, man. They looked really, really nervous. This looked like a team that uh, was almost playing their first major league game together, and it showed, you know, even in the pitching staff, when when Johnny Cueto was out there, he was doing his best to contain them. Kike Hernandez was doing well. They go to the bullpen, and he hits a massive home run. Kike Hernandez last night goes four for five with a home run, five RBIs. For a team that just sent Gavin Lux to their additional facility that they have, Hernandez is making a case to be the the second baseman moving forward because I don't know if you get that kind of offensive production from Lux. 
Well, you, you don't know what you're going to get from Lux, but you do know, like you said, Hernandez is going to hit, and he can play all around the field. He can wear a great mustache in the process. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> Such a good mustache. My God. We also have to note that we saw Mookie Betts get his first hit as a Dodger, score his first run as a Dodger, and that run ended up being the game-winning run. In the seventh inning, we really saw the power that this lineup has. It was just a single from Betts, but follow that by a double from Bellinger, and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Betts shows off his speed, scoring on a ground ball to second base. The throw goes home, and he beats it, and that's basically it. They add on some more insurance, but that was the difference in tonight's game. Like I said, not the blowout the score might imply. I, I thought the Giants held held close, for all things considered. Yeah, they, they stuck in it for, I think, as long as they could have. And for a Giants team who was really struggling against the Dodgers recently, they went 26 straight innings uh, without a run until the third when Pablo Sandoval scored their one and only run on a sack fly. Especially like the, when you have a rotation that's rocking like that and the bats are doing what they need to be doing, this is a scary team, brother. Yeah, and I'll say I'll say my takeaway is also keep an eye on Cueto because I like what I saw. He seemed to be coming back strong. The slider looked really good. He was doing his wobbling delivery, pausing, quick pitching. You love it. Love to see. He's fun to watch. So fun. Baseball's fun, man. Tomorrow's going to be full of fun as well. We've got opening day for the other 26 teams around the league and a few big matchups. The first one I want to highlight is Soroka at the Grom. Extended playoffs changes this whole picture completely oh, yeah. because I think both of these teams make it in the playoffs now, and I don't think that's too hot a take. Nope. There was a little concern around DeGrom because he wasn't originally confirmed until just this earlier this week on Wednesday because of back problems, but he will start, and I guess I'm just going to throw it back to you. Who, who do you have in this, and do you agree that you see them both making playoffs? I definitely think we see them both making the playoffs. I think that's almost a given with how offensively strong and even rotationally strong both of these teams are, are starting to become. They're really dispersing their talent. Uh, in this game, I have Atlanta coming away with it. I think it's the classic story of Jake DeGrom pitch as well. Probably only gives up two or three runs, but I think his Mets offense gets him nothing. I think there's a serious potential here for Soroka to pitch six or seven shutout innings, hand it over the bullpen, and they clean things up for him. Well, I messed up by not taking New York last night, so I'm going to take New York here. DeGrom, I want to see locked in. I want to see him focused. And this is a Mets team that they they can surprise people. They've got a rebuilt bullpen. I, I want to see what they can do with a, a bit more health, get you on assess this back, get a few other people back. So I'll take the Mets. Again, anytime you've got DeGrom on one side, I feel like you can't go wrong picking him. Another matchup we're going to look at is a divisional matchup in the American League between the Twins and the White Sox. We've got Berrios for the Twins, La Maquina, going up against Lucas Giolito, a pair of aces, of course. You love to see that type of stuff on opening day. I'll open things up and take the White Sox. I want to see them get off to a hot start because they're going to have to really get things going to make a splash this year because they're not a favorite by any means, but... Another team where the door opens a whole lot wider when you're adding, you know, those extra three teams to the playoffs in each league. And I want to see them get off to a hot start behind Giolito tomorrow. 
All signs indicate that this White Sox team believes in themselves this season. I mean, Tim yeah. Anderson has gone on record saying that they want to do something special this year. Just with 60 games, they have the potential to make a deep playoff run, and who knows, man, maybe even bring the World Series back to the south side. Hasn't been there since the early 2000s. Seems like a long time ago. Jose Barrios, I think, is going to do decently in this game, but I think the White Sox are going to go out there swinging for the fences. I think they're going to make contact. I think they're going to hit for power. I think they're going to steal. I think they're going to field. I think this White Sox team is going to be pretty close to immaculate in this game, and I think that their offense is going to push them to a pretty decent victory margin. Took three predictions. We at least agree on one. I don't know um, if I'm that confident in them executing flawlessly. I think we might see shades of what we saw from the Giants tonight, where they're in it, they're close, a little sloppy, a little inexperienced, but I do think the talents on this White Sox team will be enough, and um, I'm looking forward to see what they've got. Now, another team that's up and coming and in pretty similar spot as the White Sox, I think they mirror each other pretty nicely. The San Diego Padres are hosting Madison Bumgarner's Arizona Diamondbacks, and there is a whole lot to unpack in this situation here. A stat I want to highlight that I saw online I think is pretty interesting. Today's game is occurring on July 24th. The Padres haven't had an even record on July 24th or after since 2010. By this point in the calendar year, in the last 10 seasons... They've all been below 500. Oof. They've got a chance to start off with a win, start off getting it in the right direction. But I don't think it happens. I'm going to take Bumgarner and his new colors and the Diamondbacks as winning this game tonight. I think so too. Uh, I think these guys are going to be close. I think it's a battle of a couple of cowboys. You got the sheriff and Chris Paddock, but <laughs> I think Bumgarner's uh, in his new digs, and maybe he's digging that Sonora red color of those Arizona jerseys because I think he's going to be very, very good in this game. Now, I'm not saying Paddock is going to be bad. I just think that Bumgarner is going to be the better of two very, very good pitchers in this one. I think we're only going to see a couple of runs for both sides. This game might finish 3-2, might finish 4-1. I've got Arizona in this one as well. So we've got our picks out there. Now I'm going to ask you to broaden the scope a little bit. Because I like Tatis as a dark horse MVP candidate. He kind of brings everything you'd want to the table. Shortstop's an important position. These two teams are probably going to fight for that second playoff spot in the NL West. Because as I mentioned, two teams per division beyond records against the East and the Central, two teams are going to come from that NL West. And it looks like it's going to be the Dodgers and then one of the Padres, Diamondbacks, and Rockies. Now, I'll ask you, who's your pick for that division? It's real close, man. I think it's going to come down to a couple players. Arizona needs Cattell Marte to do what he did last year. San Diego's going to need Fernando Tatis to do what he did. And I think if you're the Colorado Rockies, again, you lean on Nolan Arenado, but hopefully Trevor Story picks up a little bit of the slack and they can both do what you think that they're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'd like to see the Padres make it just because it's been so, so long since we've seen a good Padres team that actually makes the playoffs and actually makes some noise in the postseason. For me, I like the Padres. I hope it's the Padres. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it was the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Rockies, though. But for me, I would put them Padres first, Diamondbacks second, and Rockies third in that order. And the Dodgers a distant fourth, probably. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Brother, come on now. You know what we're talking about here. 
Well, hey, that's going to wrap it up for today. There's all sorts of great options to watch tonight for baseball, so hope you can find a game that you like. But hey, if you've got the time, check out on our Instagram at Morning Round Trip. We've got a great graphic designer, Kayla Rosmus, pumping out the graphics. Opening day, we've got a new Mookie Betts graphic that scored the game-winning run, signed that huge deal. Definitely give it a follow at Morning Round Trip on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at Trip Morning. And we'll be right back here bright and early tomorrow morning. But that's it for Liam Crothers. I'm Drew Frank, and have a great day.